This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Talk on Power 98.7. This is uh, Power Talk and uh, just over 40 minutes to go to the hour 11 o'clock. Uh, joining you from our Houghton studios on a very cloudy Johannesburg uh, morning. Uh, I st- do still urge, as I did at the beginning of the show, to say please keep safe if you are on the roads. I do anticipate some rain as well as we check or take a look at the weather forecast and also looking at the grain clouds outside. It is a very grey Tuesday, but hopefully you are having a splendid day as you start your morning. Uh, go, continuing with the conversation right now as uh, South Africa approaches its seventh democratic national election this year. The anticipation is palpable, uh, signaling this uh, pivotal moment in the country's political history. And with significant uh, legislative changes to the on the horizon, uh, including the introduction of three ballot papers and the opportunity for uh, independent candidates to contest these elections individually, this electoral cycle promises to be unlike any other. And the IEC is tasked with uh, navigating these uh, unprecedented shifts while also ensuring the integrity and also the fairness of the electoral process as well. And as the country prepares to exercise its uh, democratic right to vote, It's also imperative to scrutinize the preparations which are undertaken by the IEC and also explore the potential implications of these changes for both voters and candidates as well. You know, moreover, with the election coinciding with South Africa's 30th anniversary of democracy, the stakes are higher than ever, uh, really underscoring the need for robust electoral management and also vigilant oversight. I can't stress this more, vigilant oversight. And joining us today are two esteemed guests. That's uh, James Apani. He's the Electoral Operations Manager at the IEC, as well as uh, Lulu White, who's the Elections Analyst and Founder of the Elections Management Consulting Agency of Africa. They both bring uh, really a wealth of expertise and uh, insights into the intricacies of uh, uh, South Africa's electoral uh, landscape, also offering invaluable perspectives on the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. A pleasure to have you both on the program this morning, uh, Lulu, as well as James. Thank you for having us, Mr. James, I'll start with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. James, I want to start with you. I mean, the upcoming election introduces uh, significant uh, legislative changes, like we've heard, uh, such as the use of uh, three ballot papers and the participation of independent candidates. Uh, Speak to us about how the IEC has prepared to implement some of these changes and what logistical challenges have arisen in this process so far. Well, firstly, it's to be first. Um, to, is to make people aware of the changes, and we've been busy doing that over some time now. We do have what we call outreach you know, field workers, and we do have various platforms wherein we make this known to the South Africans. But it also means logistically we need to prepare ourselves for the third ballot. We do not know how big it will be, but we expect, as you indicated, there's a lot of interest including the fact that independents for the first time are participating in this election. So we're expecting a bigger ballot, but we only know after candidate nomination is closed, then we do have certificates for the people that are going to participate. Mm. Then we know which people are going to be on the ballot. So it is a challenge, but we, 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 we yet to see how big the challenge will be in terms of the physical ballot. 
So, Lulu, staying with this theme, uh, the introduction of three ballot papers and the participation of independent candidates, I must say it marks us significant changes in South Africa's electoral landscape. What impact, Lulu, do you foresee these changes having on uh, voter behavior and the overall dynamics of the election? I think the biggest impact that it has is that um, it, it gives the impression that um, uh, well, the IUT, because obviously um, the blame lied squarely on them that um, independent candidates uh, could not participate in national and presidential elections. And for the largest um, and for a large extent, it felt as though um, you know, there was a barrier for independent candidates to be able to reach national assembly. So the biggest impression and the biggest perception that, that has changed and that has shifted is that true sense of saying that as a South African, if I want to be a member of parliament, I do not necessarily need to be aligned to any political party. Because the argument that has always been advanced by voters is that, or by the electorate, is that um, even though they want to participate in elections, they have no interest in, in being members of any political party. The previous system only allowed uh, people to be able to vote at national and provincial assembly for political parties. So it was a party-aligned system. Whereas in this particular instance, with the introduction of a third ballot and original votes being collected for independent candidates, a, me- a member of the public, a member of society, does not have to be aligned to any political party to be a member of parliament. Mm, mm, mm. Also inviting... So that is a... Sure, go ahead. Um, you can go ahead. No, so I'm saying that is a, that is a, a, a really a big plus as far as this democratic process is actually concerned. Of course, uh, inviting your uh, calls as well, power listeners on 0861-987-000, WhatsApp line 0833037093. If you want to add to the conversation or if you've got questions as well that you'd like to ask our guests, uh, feel free to do so on X. It's at Power FM 987. Remember, the show hashtag is Power Talk. Facebook, drop us a message on Power FM. James, I'll continue with you as well. Uh, with the expected influx of parties and uh, independent candidates as well, the counting period for election results is anticipated to be much longer than usual. How is the IEC then addressing this potential challenge? And what measures are in place to ensure the timely and accurate declaration of the result? Well, I think let's first start with the fact that uh, our process is transparent right from the beginning up until the end. So well, after voting, the result slip will be completed, signed, by political party agents present, and it will be made available for them to take a cop- I mean, a picture or photo of the result slip. Yes, okay. Now it comes to the um, capturing, sorry, counting at the station. We are anticipating a lot of work, hard work, mm. and we then since uh, made sure that people are going to work in shifts to make sure that people are always, you know, spot on and they are awake, and then there's no room for error, as you know, when it comes to the election. So we are ready to make sure that each and every vote counts, and therefore it will be transmitted to the results operation center and eventually will you know, end up in a seat for a particular contestant. Mm-hmm. Lulu, as South Africa commemorates uh, the 30th anniversary of democracy, I want to find out from you, uh, how do you interpret the symbolic significance of this election? Look, um, uh, there's a lot of factors that we actually need to take into account with, with regards to this election, apart from the fact that it's, uh, it's the 30th anniversary of our democracy. Mm. It's also the fact that 
Okay, obviously the other one that we just discussed to the fact that for the first time in our history we've seen independent candidates, whether it was during apartheid or not, it's the first time that we've been experienced independent candidates being able to contest at the level that they're going to be contesting for this election. Then number two, um, the fact that there, there seems to be a lot of young people that have come uh, you know, to the fore. And I understand that the IEC has done a lot of um, advertising in the past to encourage young people to actually come out in their numbers and vote. But in this particular election, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from, from outside voting in, yeah. there's a lot more young people. It does appear that young people are actually starting to take um, the issue around our democracy seriously. Mm. Now, one is uncertain whether it is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, as a result of the frustrations that they are facing with high unemployment, the high cost of living and all that, or it is genuinely um, a decision that young people have taken that they want to take charge mm. of mm. what happens or where this country goes henceforth. So there is a lot of interest, and that is, for me, something that is very interesting. But we're also seeing, um, I mean, in the previous elections that we've had, we've only had Gillette Nalima, um, which is the EFF, that was, you know, that looked as though it was a party that was looking at attracting young voters, mm. or that spoke mm. the language of young people. But in this particular election, there's a lot more younger political parties that, you know, political parties that are run by young people that have come to the fold where people are saying, we want our voices heard. It does not necessarily have to be EFF. Right. People have become much more, uh, you know, aware of the fact that there's other alternatives with, you know, that they can either um, join or create or follow in order for their votes, for their voices to be expressed. So I think that is something that mm. is very interesting and very pivotal in this particular moment. Uh, I think yeah. the age that young people are in now is the age that, you know, in 1994, our parents were in. So mm. they're looking mm. forward to this election in the very same, with the very same excitement and expectation that our parents looked at in 1994. And that is, that is exciting to watch. Lulu, with that in mind, what opportunities does this milestone that you speak about, also this invigoration of the youth as well, what does it present for reflection, renewal as well, and this reinvigoration of the, the democratic principles? Look, I think, it, in my view, I think it should represent um, a renewal. Um, there's a lot, for example, the ANC has a lot to prove, mm. right? Um, people have and you hear that across the board, whether it's old people, whether it's young people, um, you hear it across the board that people are saying perhaps it's time that the, the ANC, um, you know, it, it, the, the majority of the ANC is reduced so that a lot more younger voices can come through to the fold. Mm. And what doesn't work also is the fact that the, the ANC is really known as a political party that actually looks at older people and not young people. So there's mm. a lot, it's, it's more a renewal it's more also a, a matter of reflection because people are saying, why hasn't the political party that, that led our liberation not delivered on the promises that they actually said that they would deliver on right, the years right. down the line? Perhaps it's time that we actually look for a solution elsewhere. And lastly, the biggest thing, you know, in my view, when I was sitting and reflecting on this is the, 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 the dynamic of coalition is actually coming to the fore. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. it with, with local government. Uh, what will happen this time? You know, after the election, when the president is being elected in parliament, are we going to see an ANC president come come out again? Or are we going to see coalitions that are going to rally and say they don't want an ANC president? Right. So these are some of the things that are playing out in the background. And one is thinking, you know what? It would be interesting to see how the coalitions are going to formulate around this particular 
election after this election has been lost. James, let's uh, return. So, Anton, yeah, go ahead. Just a quick one, yeah. uh, because if I was in a meeting, I was going to raise my hand. <laughs> so <laughs> what I needed to do is say, yeah. in addition to what Lulu is saying, you know, mm. we, we made a very huge investment over the years on the young voter. Right. So And I see those investments are paying off now. So if I may just say, if I compare mm. the same age category under 29 between LGE 2021 and the figures as I last saw them, yeah. there is over 224% increase. Mm. Because in the past, the IEC did not have a focused uh, stream mm. that deals mm. with outreach. So since then, I mean, there's been a lot of investment in that space, and I think it is really paying off. In addition to, obviously, our partners, yeah. in terms of the political parties, civil society, and the public in general, have made a significant mark in making sure that young people are part of electoral democracy. Maybe let's stick with that uh, theme, uh, James. What do you think was done uh, differently this time? Because it, it would seem that there's uh, more appetite uh, uh, for young people to uh, uh, take part in the democratic process. Uh, yeah. What did you guys do differently insofar as uh, 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 putting your message out and, and making sure that it resonates with young people? You know what? We took advantage of the cyber space, mm. the internet to be specific, and yeah. there's various platforms on the internet. And we know that young people spend a lot of time in those platforms. So we took advantage of that. But we also then went to physical sites, you know, such as tester institutions. Mm. Um, you know, we, we went to strategic institutions wherein we knew this is where these young, uh, you know, adults are. And then we make those necessary interventions. So, but we also made sure that it is not just an IEC thing. Yeah, it's a nationwide project. So we we make sure that all our partners are also made aware that we need to get everyone on board. Especially, you know, if you look at the concerns being raised over the years, you will realize that we've always saying the young ones. We start obviously you eligible from sixteen, mm-hmm. but you will remember that these people are. You know, worried about metric and other things, not necessarily in politics. Yeah. So once you're on the voters' roll, you age gracefully on the voters' roll. We never remove you. So the reason we're calculating from under 29, it means there's people that have always qualified to register and vote, but they've not done so. Mm-hmm. And through those interventions that we've made, we managed to attract this uh, group of people that were not on the voters' roll, and now suddenly they are on the voters' roll. James, we are fast running out of time, but uh, there's also the issue about uh, voting for South African citizens abroad. I mean, it, it does present uh, unique logistical considerations as well. Can you shed some light on, on, on the preparations undertaken by the IEC to facilitate this uh, voting for overseas voters? And what steps are being taken to maximize voter participation from abroad? Once again, we're taking advantage of the digital um space that we're living in. For the first time, we opened registration abroad online, and we have made, you know, astronomical progress. We do sit with over 50,000 registered currently. We're still going to have back turn process wherein you apply to vote outside of the Republic through a back turn process. What we also did is we had what I call... Um, joined hybrid sessions with missions across the world via virtual platforms, wherein we've been talking to our colleagues at DERC who are helping us with the election process. So 
We gave them posters. They printed it locally. So I am well aware and yeah. quite confident that everyone is aware of this election and they'll come out in numbers to come and vote. If you'll allow me, I want to take uh, one quick call on 0861-987-000, where we hear from uh, one of our power listeners uh, speaking this time to Tlo in Soshanguve. Uh, Tlo, what's on your mind? Uh, I've got just two questions and concerns as a South African. Firstly, why IEC is not helping South Africans to make sure that the parliament is become independent? Because of people in the parliament, they are no longer serving the interest of the country, but they are serving the interest of their parties whereby we can never write to vote our own candidate to the parliament. And the other thing is that YIEC is always keeping employing people from COSATU. While we know that COSATU, as the teachers, they are belonging to the ANC. Because of those are some things that makes us to make sure that even if we can go in numbers to vote, because of those people are being there, because of they are serving the interests of the ANC. But now we, we, we cannot get those kind of information correctly, while you've got the people that are qualified are not working, but uh, IEC is keep employing those people that are also working so they can make an extra cash and bring uh, working for the ANC inside of the IEC. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's uh, Tlo in Soshanguve. Uh, James, I will uh, pose the second part of uh, his question to you regarding the participation of uh, either volunteers or people who will be uh, basically tasked by the IEC to carry out uh, some uh, electoral operations related uh, matters during this uh, particular time. What's the criteria for the, the, the human resources that you'll be utilizing? Well, firstly, this question keeps on coming up. But yes, I'm happy that it keeps on coming up Mm. because it gives us the opportunity to clarify issues. Firstly, we make sure that each and every person who is eligible to be employed will be employed. And you asked me about the criteria. One of the key criteria is that you must not be a politically active member. And once the list has been complied, we don't just employ directly. We present those lists for political parties and it goes through a vetting process. So the allegations that we employ people from a certain organization Mm. are untrue because that is not part of the requirement. All we need is eligible South Africans. And well, actually, one of the criteria from our side is is that you must be a registered voter. So you can't work for the IC if you're not a registered voter. Mm. Mm. Well, and there's been incidences recently wherein after the vetting has happened and the list was presented to political parties and they all agreed. And when I'm saying political parties, I'm not just talking about one party is multiple parties that are overseeing these people that need to be employed. Mm. And as I'm saying now, recently there's been an incident, which is a very good one. I don't have to give details here. Wherein a person actually was seen wearing a political party regalia. Or even, because remember I said we're taking advantage of the social media space. Sure. We also pick up people who are posting, you know, politically aligned posts. And those people have been summarily dismissed. So we didn't. we don't even... We can deal with the consequences later in terms of our actions, but we act immediately. So we want to make sure that our electoral process is clean. Mm-hmm. So we definitely want to make sure. And, and I appreciate the fact that the question keeps on coming up. And sure. they, 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 we are always willing to explain uh, what the uh, requirements are. Lulu, uh 
as we wrap up our conversation, uh, I'm not sure if you want to also uh, 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 respond or react to the first part of the listener's question. But uh, basically, the question I want to ask you, and also given the potential shifts in South Africa's political landscape, what factors do you believe will shape the outcome of this election? And also, what implications might this have for the future governance of the country? I think um, I'll just touch just a bit on 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 James's response. I think it's very important. I think the IEC has come under a lot more scrutiny um, in these particular elections as opposed to previous elections. Um, I think we we are experiencing for the very first time a very healthy distrust um, of of the IEC's processes. Um, if you look at social media, I mean, if you have to gauge by what is happening in the social media. You can't run away from from what is happening there. So you do see that there is a healthy distrust. So now, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Loud and clear. Go ahead. So there is a healthy distrust. And I think it's something that the IEC really does need to... Because the argument that's always coming across is the fact that there's a lot more other people that are unemployed. Why is there asking consistently higher people um, that are unemployed, that are employed to run these elections? So I think this is something that they need to do. Mm. As far as the shift is concerned, I think that... Perhaps as a country or as the IEC begins these processes, we need to start applying uh, our minds to how um, use co- because we are in the era of collisions as a country. I mean, yeah, we've seen yeah. in Germany, we've seen in the Netherlands, we've seen in the UK how these collisions have gone out, worked out, and, and service delivery has not been affected. But in South Africa, we are seeing that the era of coalitions is not really to the benefit of voters, and it's been really frustrating for, for, for mm. voters in South Africa. And I think that, um, the IEC now actually also has a responsibility to start crafting legislation or uh, terms of reference on how coalitions are supposed to run so that voters in South Africa, so that the voters in South Africa or citizens of the country yeah. are not um, compromised, the service delivery and the expectations of as voters are not compromised as a result of a collision not working out, the nature of convenience collapsing, which is what we have seen in all of these other mm-hmm. um, um, municipal uh, agreements that we have seen. And it is quite clear we can run away from, I mean, we can run away from it as South Africans, the government party can run away from it. But the reality is that we are in the era of, 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 of collisions, uh, and there needs to be a lot more education also that goes into that. Mm. Yes, voter education that you know is being done, and I, you know, I would still argue that there's not enough voter education. I think the biggest error that the IEC continues to make is just to leave voter education towards only an election. Mm. Um, one of the questions that I got recently from a member of one of the political parties that contacted me, where you know they were asking about. What is the process of candidate nomination? Candidate nomination, by the way, is closed on the 8th of March. Yeah. And somebody was still talking to me about what it is that they need to understand, what is the criteria that they need to understand. Mm. And I found myself having to explain what is a bank guarantee tip? How do they go and get a bank guarantee tip? Mm. Mm. You know, where on the IEC portal do these people need to go so that they're able to capture the criteria? For example, because there's a threshold. Uh, for each and every province in the national sure. um, election that they won't be able to participate in. And I found myself having to go through that extent of saying to people, this is what you need to do, contact the IEC, mm. these are the type of questions you need to be asking so that you are able to get the response that you need so that you can understand how, because it's it closing on, it, it on the 8th of March. It then means that 
you should have been working on your threshold already. You should have been capturing your candidates or the people that are supporting your party already because the end is less than a week from here. So you realize there's still a lot more education, not only Mm -hmm. for the voter, but also for those people that want to participate. Like you've got a member of a political party asking me that. What more about an independent candidate? Yeah, yeah, Lulu. I, 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 I might have to muzzle you and James as well. I'm, I'm yes. late for news, but maybe very, quick, okay. very, very quickly, yes. James, just give us your yes. general announcements of uh, uh, important, excuse me, important dates uh, to come. And, and do know that uh, uh, registration has wrapped up, but people can still update their details online. Well, yes, of course. And um, the important dates, as you just indicated now, I mean, Lulu did touched on it. Um, is the fact that the voters' roll is now available for inspection at various local IEC offices. Yeah. And the cut-off date is the 4th of March, from which the Electoral Commission is going to look at those objections and finalize them um, by the 11th mm-hmm. of March. Mm-hmm. And from there, you're going to have what we call a certified role, which will be the final voters' role for this election. But as far as candidates, uh, the candidates, they need to make sure that they've got all their things in order and so that they can submit by the uh, 8th of March. Let me thank my guests uh, for their time. That's uh, James Apani from the IEC, as well as uh, Lulu White, who's an elections analyst and founder of Elections Management Consulting Agency of Africa. Let's get the latest in news. Here's Nyaka Lotefo. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.